Today we're excited to bring you a rebroadcast of one of our favorite episodes. It's the conclusion of a two-part series where we take a look at Jesus' prophecies from the Mount of Olives. Whether you're hearing today's program for the first time or you're a faithful listener, we're sure you'll enjoy hearing the great truths in this episode once more. Hello and welcome, foiradio.org, that's where you can learn more about our ministry. When you visit, be sure to sign up for a free one-year subscription to our magazine, Israel, My Glory. Again, that's foiradio.org. This is the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover. Jesus, near the end of his earthly ministry, prophesied about the end times. Do these words bounce off our chests, or do they have a transformational influence in our lives? Our host and Bible teacher, Chris Katolka, challenges us today to think about the greater purpose of prophecy as we look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24. A listener recently asked if we could provide a brief history of our ministry. We're happy to do that, especially since so many of the stations we've added within the last year are new to the Friends of Israel family. We'll do that on the program today, and later we'll hear Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Holocaust survivor and believer in Jesus, Svi Kalisher. Stay with us. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on the program where we've been diving into the prophetic words of Jesus from Matthew 24, 25, and Mark 13, and even Luke 21. Uh, these prophetic sections of the Gospels are called the Olivet Discourse. And the reason it's given that title is actually quite simple. Jesus spoke these prophetic words from the mountain just east of Jerusalem and the Temple Mount called the Mount of Olives. Now, these are the prophetic words of Jesus Christ, and, and what's amazing is that Jesus is relying heavily on the prophetic word that is found in the Old Testament, which I believe says something powerful about Jesus. You know, Jesus had the attention of his disciples and could have manipulated his own brand of prophecy on his followers. And instead, Jesus stays true to what the prophets had promised. Jesus stays true to the word of God. In the prophecy circles that are out there today, uh, there are some that lead to speculation. Uh, they speculate on things that might happen in the near future. You know, they speculate on biblical passages and connect them to modern-day events. But at the Friends of Israel, we don't want to speculate. We're not speculators. We don't want to uh, cast a vision for the future. We want to stay true to what the Word of God says, just as Jesus did. And so what you'll notice is that in Jesus' prophetic word here, found in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and 25, what you'll see is that Jesus relies heavily on what the prophets of the Old Testament had said. Now, last week we looked at the events in the first half of the tribulation, and we looked at the events that Jesus called the birth pains, but Jesus encourages the readers of Matthew 24 to not lose heart. Don't be troubled, he says, because the end is near. Now, if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's message as we started looking at the prophecies of Jesus from Matthew 24, then just simply go to foiradio.org, and there on our website, just go to the radio and podcast archives, and you'll find a whole list of past shows, including last week. So don't forget to visit 
foiradio.org. So now into Matthew 24, 15. Jesus has already explained the events happening in the first half of the tribulation, or the time of Jacob's trouble. Remember, the tribulation is a future event. It's something that's going to happen in the future, according to the scriptures. And it's an event that unfolds over a seven-year period, during which God will execute his righteous judgment on earth. Yet, during that time, the gospel will continue to go forth throughout the world. We are just entering now into the second half of the tribulation here. And remember, the church is not present in the tribulation. Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people. He has a Jewish audience here. And he's speaking to those who come to know him as the Messiah. Listen to what Jesus says here in Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight might not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world, until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days shall be shortened, no flesh would be saved. For the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now, this is typically the marker for the midway point of the tribulation, the abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation is a prophecy that Jesus rightfully claims to come from the prophet Daniel, specifically in Daniel chapter 9. Now, you might be wondering, what is an abomination of desolation? It sounds like a pretty serious thing. Well, an abomination of desolation is when a sacrificial offering is offered in the Jewish temple that is not considered clean or accepted in the eyes of God. Now, some will argue that Daniel, when he wrote this in Daniel chapter 9, was talking about an event that was already fulfilled with a Greek character from around 165 BC named Antiochus Epiphanes, who will slaughter a pig. It's an actual historical event. He slaughters a pig in the temple and offers up unclean offerings and puts images of false gods in the Jewish temple. This is an event that took place, and it's where the story of Hanukkah comes from. Uh, Now, others will say this event, the abomination of desolation that Jesus is talking about here, uh, was fulfilled when the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. But Jesus seems to be throwing this prophecy even further forward, sending it into a future event that will happen. Jesus seems to be allocating this abomination of desolation to one called the Antichrist, who will set up his own abomination of desolation in the temple by not necessarily sacrificing a pig, but doing something even worse— claiming himself to be God. And this becomes a turning point in the tribulation when the great wrath of God is going to be poured out on earth. And listen to what Jesus says here. We just read it. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, 
nor ever shall be. At the end of the tribulation will come this amazing moment. Listen, my friends. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and with glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the earth to the other. Listen, this amazing cosmic shaking will happen as the sun is darkened, as the moon is blotted out and the stars begin to fall, and even the powers of heaven are shaken. There is a cosmic shaking that is happening in this verse because our holy Messiah and Savior is coming back to earth. The Son of Man, as it says, will return riding on the clouds of heaven. Now, we have to focus for a moment on this term, the Son of Man, because it's incredibly important. It's a very, very visual messianic title that is given to Jesus. It's a title that's specifically designated for the Messiah. And the title actually, once again, comes from a prophecy from Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. Now, think about this. Son of Man literally means this, human. Uh, Son of man is in Hebrew, ben adam, which means the son of Adam or a, a, a human being. So here you have a human, but he's doing these amazing things. He's doing these wild and crazy things. Like first in the book of Daniel, if you read, the son of man can do something that no other person has ever been able to do. And that's to approach the ancient of days, the holy God. He can approach him face to face. And we know that no man has ever been able to see God face-to-face and live. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, that according to Daniel and to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this human comes, what, riding on clouds, something that only the divine can do. So what do you have? You have a human man with divine qualities. Sounds pretty familiar, huh? Here is Jesus. We know him to be both God and man. He's the son of man, and here he comes finally returning in all of his glory and power. And Jesus shares with us his second coming before his first coming even ends. He wanted to leave his disciples with hope that even though he's been purposed to die, he's coming back the way they probably intended for him to come the first time. Jesus wants us to be on guard, my friends. The purpose of prophecy, I have to remind you, is not just to think about these events that are going to happen in the future. Really, the purpose of prophecy as we're unpacking it and we're going through it is to become more like Christ. Prophecy isn't just the communication of information about things that are going to happen in the end times. But even more important, remember this, prophecy is a message that should produce transformation in our lives because Jesus can come for his church at any moment and we want to be found ready for his glorious appearance. May God bless you, my friends.
In the news, Christianity is increasingly under attack, and the tiny democracy of Israel is demonized. But no matter what happens in this world, of this we can be certain. Israel will endure. God has promised it. And in Dr. Elwood McQuaid's book, For the Love of Zion, you'll see the light of God's eternal word shine on the political and historical events of the Middle East. Discover the broad scope of controversies that lie behind the headlines. You'll see the real issues that are seldom clarified in the struggle between Israel and its enemies. This book, For the Love of Zion, will help you see clearly where history is taking us. Order your copy of Dr. Elwood McQuaid's book, For the Love of Zion, when you visit foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. Okay, so in our short segment, we are going to answer another great question that came in online recently. Uh, A great question from Pastor Silas. Now, if you have a question about the Bible, Israel, or the future, be sure to visit our website, foiradio.org, and there you'll find on our homepage an Ask FOI section where you can submit your question, so be sure to get to our website, my friends. Now, Pastor Silas asks this. Could you provide a history of the Friends of Israel gospel ministry? Pastor Silas, I'd be happy to do that. But first, let me say this to our listeners. Our radio program, the Friends of Israel Today, is a ministry of the Friends of Israel gospel ministry. So the history of the Friends of Israel is near and dear to me, and it's a history that I'm incredibly proud of. So first, let me say this. The Friends of Israel gospel ministry started more than 77 years ago in 1938. And, you know, I always like to say you don't have to be a history buff to know what was happening in 1938. Hitler and his Nazi regime were gaining power throughout Eastern Europe and beginning to put pressure on Jewish communities. And it would only be a few months later that Hitler would force Jewish people into ghettos throughout Poland. Now, aware of the atrocities that were happening to the Jewish people in Eastern Europe, and knowing that America was hesitant to bring relief at that time, a group of pastors and businessmen from the Philadelphia area took it upon themselves to act against this terrible anti-Semitism. So they founded the Friends of Israel Refugee Relief Committee, and its goal was to proclaim the gospel and rescue Jewish families from Hitler's grasp. The name would eventually be changed to the Friends of Israel Missionary and Relief Society and would be led by our first executive director, Victor Buxbazen, who himself was a Jewish man who escaped Poland just before Hitler's terror. So how did the Friends of Israel Missionary and Relief Society fulfill its purpose to proclaim the gospel and rescue Jewish families from Hitler's grasp during its early years? Well, let me just uh, share with you a little bit. When the U.S. permitted 1,000 Jewish refugees from Italy into America, 
they landed in Oswego, New York. And Dr. Buxbazen and his wife were there the next day to meet them. And listen to what he had to say, because he documented a lot of his encounters with the Jewish people. How utterly ragged and dejected they were is hard to imagine. Immediately, we went shopping into the town of Oswego for shoes, underwear, and outer garments of all sizes, and brought one taxi load after another into the camp, thus supplying them with the most urgent items. Some even arrived in their slippers. How grateful they were. At the end of the war, we started an an intensive program of material aid for the victims of concentration camps. These packages saved many from starvation and freezing. That's really an amazing part of the history of the Friends of Israel. Now, in 1942, our award-winning magazine, Israel My Glory, published its first issue. And eventually, in 1974, under the new leadership of Marvin Rosenthal, the Friends of Israel Missionary and Relief Society became the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. God has been faithful to the Friends of Israel throughout the years with godly leaders who guided this ministry, like Dr. Elwood McQuaid, Bill Sutter, and now Dr. Jim Showers. Now, the Friends of Israel has grown exponentially over the years into a worldwide Christian ministry that teaches biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. You can find Friends of Israel representatives doing various forms of ministry in Jewish communities all throughout the United States, Canada, Argentina, the United Kingdom, France, Germany, Poland, the Ukraine, Russia, Australia, New Zealand, and let's not forget Israel. We have a multitude of programs that fit our mission statement happening all the time around the world. And as we always like to say, the sun never sets on the ministry of the Friends of Israel. So Pastor Silas, I hope that this answers your question, and I hope you can see why I'm so proud to be a part of this amazing organization and to see how God is using the Friends of Israel gospel ministry on a daily basis to bless the Jewish people all around the world. If you want more information, my friends, after hearing this about the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, visit our website, foi.org. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Sfi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Sfi. I am in uniform again in the mountains where the winds blow fiercely in Israel Vendettas can go for years. Both sides attack each other night and day and seem happy when they have out-harmed the other. What will be the end of it? Only the Lord knows. Some lay awake at night thinking about these things, but I've gotten over it. They can shoot all the guns they have, but I have peace because I have a good protector, one whom few others have. The other night, Someone awoke me. He was jealous that I could sleep during all the uproar. He asked, How can you sleep at a time like this with shells bursting all around us? 
Have you no fear? Quoting Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4, I said, When I am afraid, I will trust in God. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? I then told him, One who has no faith must always be in fear. You must trust God to watch over you. We must be like sheep. My Lord said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. The man replied, What does the parable mean? I told him how Messiah Jesus slept in the bottom of a boat on the Sea of Galilee while his disciples were terrified because of the fierce storm and huge waves raging around them. And when they woke him, he rebuked them, saying, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? I explained that I can sleep soundly because my shepherd watches over me. Trust in the Lord, I told him, and go to sleep. He then put his head down on the rocks, which we called the Hilton Hotel, and immediately went to sleep. He slept soundly for two hours while the shooting continued. In the morning we met again at the field kitchen. He said, I slept like a child. What type of psychology did you use on me? I do not understand what this is all about, but if it is going to do for me what it has done for you, then I am ready to believe as you do. I then asked him, What do you think is better, to walk against the wind or with the wind? With the wind, of course, he answered. It is the same when you walk with the Lord, I explained. You are never alone. He's always with you and gives you strength. We are going through dangerous times now. Any moment might be our last. It would be terrible at such a time as this to deny the truth. How can a person reject the Lord who has given us new life, new thoughts, and a wonderful future? The Lord told us, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is it not better to trust him than to walk in fear and worry? The soldier took the soup from the kitchen and sat down beside me, and he said quietly, I thank God that he gave me comfort. I now feel as if I were home. Even the shooting does not bother me anymore. There must be some great power from above. I can see what it has done for me. We became fast friends. Wherever I go, my new friend tags along. He seems to be a different person. He has no fear and laughs and talks to me all the time. The dramatic reading you just heard is taken from a feature you can read in our bi-monthly magazine, Israel My Glory. If you enjoy this feature, be sure to sign up for a free trial subscription when you visit foiradio.org. You'll get a full year, six issues of our magazine. You can also write to us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Request your free subscription to the newly redesigned Israel My Glory magazine. 
Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Galeone. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.